1: Good morning, beloved family. How good it is to be with you live—not an encore, not pre-recorded. It's so good to be with you, and um, I'm so glad you're with us. And I'm so grateful to God for the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News. And I uh, came across an article on LifeSite News that was written um, last month, well, toward the end of July. And it's titled, um, it's from Bishop Athanasius Snyder, uh, who titles it, Join Me, in Crusade: a Crusade of Reparation for Sins Against Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. And um, uh, it's been an awful time, this COVID time, and the many sins committed against our Lord um, during this time of... Uh, Uh, distribution in baggies and uh, all kinds of awful, awful things that have taken place. So um, Bishop uh, Snyder, um, his his, uh, theme is that in the current so-called COVID-19 pandemic emergency, horrible abuses of the most blessed sacrament have increased still more. And um, he's exhorting the faithful to console the hidden Jesus. Father Michael Gately, um, some of you may have read his book, Consoling the Heart of Jesus. I did a few years ago. It's truly, truly wonderful. And um, I tell you, before I read that book, um, I've thought of many things about the heart of Jesus, but I don't know that I've uh, really thought of Offering sacrifices so in reparation for sins, but to console him so much—it's a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful um, way to love our Lord. So I'd like to read this article to us. We may not even get three. I will take your calls and texts and emails after the um, after the second break, which will give us a full half hour um, to ourselves. I'd like to mention. Uh, For those who haven't uh, seen the news on this, which I didn't see till yesterday, that Bishop Athanasius Snyder's mother died earlier this month on August 3rd, and the funeral, of course, Bishop Snyder himself will conduct for his mother um, tomorrow, and August 13th in Germany. uh, i i i there's a picture of her I don't have the reference at the moment, but if you look up Bishop athanasius snyder's mother on the internet you'll probably get it her name is maria um, Snyder, and um or schneider uh, she's uh, her picture just tells a, a whole a volume speaks volumes on what a magnificent woman uh she was and is that produced such a prince of the church. So um, we are praying for her here and for Bishop Snyder. And I I would um, ask you to join me in praying for Bishop Snyder and the family. His father died some years ago, so hopefully now they're joined. Um, when you see a picture of someone like that, you think of even Mother Teresa I don't, I don't think purgatory was, was intended. Um, I, don't, I don't think they, it's possible they won't experience purgatory. I can't say that, and I would never, ever suggest that we don't pray for her because if uh, she, she needs our prayers, she will have them. If she doesn't need them, then our Blessed Mother will accrue them to those who need them. So nothing is ever wasted, not a single prayer is ever wasted. If you've been praying to God for a mate, for a spouse for 20 years, your prayers are not wasted. If if he hasn't brought you a spouse yet, it's because God is perfect in his ways and he loves you. And for what whatever reason, he knows that that is not the best solution for you right now, or you're not prepared for a spouse or whatever it may or he has another plan for you, whatever it may be, or a job you've been praying for, whatever it may be, God is faithful, beloved. He will never withhold what is good from us. But he prepares us for heaven, for sainthood, through our desires desires, as we learn uh detachment and to trust him, rather than to focus on earthly needs that we think need to be met in certain ways. I think this COVID-19 um, epidemic uh, has uh, has and is showing us uh, a few more priorities in life, So, um, uh, which trials often do. Okay, I'm going to read this now. It was written um, July 21st, and uh, LifeSite News actually had, um, picked this story up with permission from the remnant newspaper. So, um, I will read it now. There has never been in the history of the church, a time where the sacrament of the Eucharist has been abused and outraged to such an alarming and grievous extent as in the past five decades, five decades 50 years, not just COVID, but 50 years, especially since the official introduction and papal approval in 1969 of the practice of communion in the hand. Now, I'm not going to go into this widely now, but we have had um, uh, some, a couple of strong emails from people who are... Um, have come against me and actually, uh, even station of the cross, uh, for, uh, the stand I've taken for my strong messages on communion in the hand versus communion in the, on the tongue. Um, don't blame station of the cross, um, and don't blame live site news. Uh, it is me and I have gone through those letters and I appreciate them very much, um, and uh, at least one uh, expressed stopping financial support uh, for uh, the station of the cross. And I would tell you, beloved, I would ask you not to do that. They are a, a magnificent uh, apostolate, very faithful to the magisterium. And if one of their radio hosts is very strong on a point and they see nothing against it, um We need to keep our minds open to what God may be showing us, and if they are against it, then they'll speak to the radio host. So far, beloved, um, I'm not heard um, uh, strictly negatively on anyone being against it, but we have had um, my talk on communion in the tongue versus communion in the hand, and you're going to hear a little more of that from Bishop Snyder, which is where I get my information from the top prelates of the church who are faithful, Cardinal Burke and Cardinal Seurat and Bishop Snyder and Cardinal Mueller um I trust what they say they're faithful prelates, and i and if I ever say something strongly i I get it from them. And me and say these things, but um, I want you to know personally, that, uh, I'm doing a study on the history of communion uh, in the hand and on the tongue, and um, uh, it, it's going to be a, a time-consuming study. Some people have pointed out that communion in the hand dates back to the early church. I know that it does, um, and I know there have been times through The history of the church, where communion in the hand has been uh, perhaps considered the norm, Um, but it wasn't again. And it was since 1969, I think, uh, uh, that it it became again uh, kind of normal, even though communion on the tongue is the norm of the church, but communion on the hand is allowed. And so uh, it's difficult to talk against it. So I am going to show you my study and what I conclude. I think I'm going to be less, a little less strong when I come out of this on on the, uh, what I have called the degradation, debauchery, all of that of communion on the tongue, uh, rather on the hand. Um, I think I'm going to need to um, consider both more strongly. So I say that to you, especially you who are, have been very against my being so one-sided when the church allows both. Um, uh, and so as soon as I conclude that, and it, it won't be any later than next week, um, I will sh- I will come to you uh, with the results on that, that I've come up with um and what the church firmly says. Okay, so I don't know if that'll help any of you, but reading this article today, it, it's certainly going to favor communion on the tongue, which the church does, since it is the norm. It is the norm and so the ch- for reverence, and so the church does favor that. Um, okay, enough. I'm going to read this now. I just don't want to... Um, offend anybody anew um, by uh, continuing to uh, kind of harp on this, you might say, but I want to read this um, wonderful article by Bishop Snyder because he's proposed, he's proposing something, a way for us to make reparation uh, for sins against our Lord Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, and it's not just a matter of receiving him on the tongue or the hand, many, many other things. Um, there's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll be back in a moment. And then at the second break, you are free to call in again with anything on your heart. Toll free one 877 511 or email at mother at the station of the dot com. And we'll be right back. Beloved, this is mother miriam many of you are familiar with mother miriam live but i wonder if you have listened to the other programs from the station of the cross such as the catholic current father robert mctaig discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m eastern you can listen anytime to the catholic current as a podcast on the iCatholic radio mobile app
0: have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time. gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. (laughs) It's a much more warm and open place, and God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful.
2: If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org.
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And I'm going to jump now into uh, Bishop Snyder's article, uh, and it's titled Join Me in uh, the cru- a Crusade of Reparation for Sins Against Jesus. In the Holy Eucharist. So, we're going to, re- with a with a 15-minute introduction, um, I'm going to jump into the article now. And Bishop Snyder says there has never been in the history of the Church a time where the sacrament of the Eucharist has been abused and outraged to such an alarming and grievous extent as in the past five decades, right? That's 50 years, especially since the official introduction and papal approval in 1969 of the practice of communion in the hand. These abuses are aggravated furthermore by the widespread practice in many countries of faithful who, not having received the sacrament of penance for many years, nevertheless regularly receive Holy Communion. The height of the abuses of the Holy Eucharist is seen in the admittance to Holy Communion of couples who are living in a public and objective state of adultery, violating thereby their indissoluble, valid sacramental marriage bonds as in the case of the so-called divorced and remarried, such admittance being in some regions officially legalized by specific norms, and in the case of the Buenos Aires region in Argentina, norms even approved by the Pope. Additionally to these abuses comes the practice of an official admittance of Protestant spouses in mixed marriages to Holy Communion, such as in some dioceses of Germany. To say that the Lord is not suffering because of the outrages committed against Him in the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist can lead to a minimizing of the great atrocities committed. Some people say God is offended by the abuse of the Blessed Sacrament. But the Lord does not personally suffer. This is, however, I'm going to reread that. Um, Some people say God is offended by the abuse of the Blessed Sacrament, but the Lord does not personally suffer. That's quite a, now how can one be offended and not personally suffer? This is a, a confusing sentence, but that's what some people say. Bishop Snyder says this is, however, theologically and spiritually too narrow a view. Although Christ is now in his glorious state and hence no more subject to suffering in a human way, he nevertheless is affected and touched in his sacred heart by the abuses and outrages against the divine majesty and the immensity of his love in the blessed sacrament. Our Lord has expressed to some saints his complaints and his sorrow about the sacrileges and outrages with which men offend him. And, beloved, no, I better not. I'm just going to continue to read this. (laughs) I'm sorry. I've I've seen a couple of tremendous outrages uh, and sacrileges during the COVID 19. Epidemic, But let me continue with Bishop Snyder. One can understand this truth from the words of the Lord, spoken to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, as Pope Pius XI reports in his um, encyclical um, on the Redemptor, on the Redeemer. Miserentissimus Redemptor. I had to figure out how to pronounce that one. When cried, this is a quote, from um, Pope Pius XI. When Christ manifested himself to Margaret Mary and declared to her the infinitude of his love, at the same time, in the manner of a mourner, he complained that so many and such great injuries were done to him by ungrateful men. And we would that these words in which he made his complaint were fixed in the minds of the faithful and were never blotted out by oblivion. Quote, behold this heart, end quote, our Lord said, which has loved men so much and has loaded them with all benefits and for this boundless love has had no return but neglect and contumely Neglect and contumely, and this often from those who were bound by a debt and duty of a more special love. The words of our Lord to St. Margaret Mary. Bishop Schneider points out, Frère Michel de la Sainte Trinité gave, I, I should have in French, Trinité gave a profound theological explanation of the meaning of the suffering or sadness of God because of the offenses the sinners commit against him. Quote, This suffering, this sadness of the Heavenly Father, or of Jesus, since his ascension, are to be understood analogically. They are not suffered passively as with us, but on the contrary, freely willed and chosen as the ultimate expression of their mercy towards sinners called to conversion. They are only a manifestation of God's love for sinners, a love which is sovereignly free and gratuitous, and which is not irrevocable. That's a quote um, from the saint uh, in, in an article called The Whole Truth About Fatima. Saint Michel de la Sainte Trinité. Um, it's um, a frère, Michel, a brother Michael of the Holy Trinity, is what that says. Um, we, I, I don't know that we could ever understand the abuses uh, from our, that, that our Lord receives. I don't know, but so many of the saints have written of our Lord's suffering. Bishop Snyder continues, this analogical spiritual meaning of the sadness or the suffering of Jesus in the Eucharistic ministry is confirmed by the words of the angel in his apparition in 1916 to the children of Fatima and especially by the words and the example of the life of St. Francisco Marto. The children were invited by the angel to make reparation for offenses against the Eucharistic Jesus and to console him, as we can read in the memoirs of Sister Lucia. I'll quote now. While we were there, that's in front of the angel, the Fatima, the angel appeared to us for the third time holding a chalice in his hands with a host above it, from which some drops of blood were falling into the sacred vessel. Leaving the chalice and the host suspended in the air, the angel prostrated himself on the ground and repeated this prayer three times, quote, Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then rising, and, and end quote, Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, end quote. Then rising, he once more took the chalice and the host in his hands. He gave the host to me, Sister Lucia says, and to Jacinta and Francisco, he gave the contents of the chalice to drink, saying as he did so, quote, take and drink the body and blood of Jesus Christ, horribly outraged by ungrateful men repair their crimes and console your god" End quote. the message of the angel to sister lucia bishop athanasius says reporting about the third apparition on july 13 1917 sister lucia stressed how Francisco perceived the mystery of God and the necessity to console him because of the offenses of the sinners. You might remember that Francisco, because he was uh, a little more frisky or naughty um, than the other two, um, uh, needed to uh, pray rosaries uh, and make some reparation before he could see Our Lady. And she quotes here Sister Lucia, says, What made the most powerful impression on Francisco and what wholly absorbed him was God, the most holy trinity, perceived in that light which penetrated our inmost souls. Afterward, he said, Francisco said, We were on fire in that light which is God, and yet we were not burnt. What is God? We could never put it in words. Yes, that is something indeed which we could never express, but what a pity it is that he is so sad, if only I could console him. That's a quote from Francesco from Sister Lucia's memoirs. Bishop Snyder goes on to say, Sister Lucia wrote how Francesco, Francisco, perceived the necessity to console God, whom he understood to be sad because of the sins of men. Sister Lucia writes, I asked him one day, Francisco, Francisco, I think it's Francisco, I keep uh, trying to pronounce it, Francisco, which do you like better, to console our Lord or to convert sinners so that no more souls will go to hell? And Francisco answered, I would rather console our Lord. Did you notice how sad Our Lady was that last month when she said that people must not offend our Lord anymore, for He is already much offended? I would like to console our Lord, and after that convert sinners so they won't offend Him anymore. End quote from Francisco. Bishop Athanasius Snyder continues, in his prayers and in the offering of his sufferings, St. Francisco, now St. Francisco Marto, gave priority to the intention of consoling the hidden Jesus, that is, the Eucharistic Lord. Sister Lucia reported these words to Francisco, which he said to her, quote, When you come out of school... Go and stay for a little while while near the hidden Jesus. Not a beautiful way to call the Eucharist the hidden Jesus, which it is. Revelation chapter 2 calls him the hidden manna. And afterwards come home by yourself. I'll read that again from Francisco. When you come out of school, go and stay for a while near the hidden Jesus. And afterwards come home by yourself. Oh this is so beautiful beloved but we will take your calls and your emails and your texts and we will continue with this tomorrow so you have time now our phone lines are wide open dear ones call in with anything on your heart um and uh, the no- toll free number is 187751154831877511 Five four eight three. We'll be right back. Or email email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. We'll be right back.
2: We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture. Or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day Thank you for helping to save the culture. Hi,
3: this is Wayne Hepler, founder of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer. If you are looking for a way to grow closer to our Lord, I invite you to visit our Catholic retreat center dedicated to praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. The rustic setting provides a quiet atmosphere for prayer and for learning about the public communal prayer of the Catholic Church, known as the Liturgy of the Hours. The seven canonical hours are prayed throughout the day, beginning with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with night prayer at 8 p.m. You are welcome to join in the prayer at any time or to book the house for a retreat. We are located at 365 Hill City Road in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. For more information or to book a visit, email info at liturgyofthehours.org or call the retreat house at 814-676-1910. You can also learn more by visiting liturgyofthehours.org.
1: Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so thrilled to be with you. For some reason, it feels like a year since I've been with you, a long time. And we've had pre recorded programs uh, in the interim, but I'm thrilled to be here live with you today. Um, and we're going to take your calls and your emails. We just had a caller, and somehow, um, I think the call dropped, Paul. If you're if you're still there, you're welcome to call back, dear one. Um, and again, for everyone, the toll free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. We're going to take an email from Cheryl. Cheryl's in Southern California, who writes. Dear Mother Miriam, you spoke about making a profound bow, which is 90 degree, that's kind of just a a right angle, prior to the reception of Holy Communion. If standing, I have always genuflected. Should I do a profound bow instead? Oh, no. No, 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 Cheryl. uh, Genuflection is better than a profound bow, absolutely. But uh, the Church, as a norm, as a, a minimal Minimum, um, uh, as the norm, is communion on the tongue with a 90-degree bow. Not a little uh, bow of the head, not 45 degrees, the little bow of the body, but completely 90 degrees, if one physically can do that. So it looks like uh, the top right corner of a square, 90 degrees. So no, a genuflection is always better always, always, always. Whenever you see through scripture people confronting our Lord, they fall down and they're on their faces. So no, genuflection is always better, dear one. But what the church is saying is that before our Lord, no less than a 90 degree bow is acceptable. Uh, Unless again, somebody's not physically able to do that, that's all right. Uh, Then they do it. If we can't do something physically, we do what we can, and we bow the knee of the heart. Someone once said, "I love that expression, the knee of the heart." Uh, We have an email from Jean, and Jean says, um, "Let's see now. Uh, She's referring to an email from a woman who, um, now in her sixties, had uh, had sent a message speaking about how the church uh, is." how it used to be, how it is today, and all of that, and Jean says she couldn't agree more, Um, and she said, we the lay people need to speak uh, about what our aching hearts and experiences in the church are today. Very sad, and then she says she's grateful for this program, and um, a very sweet sentence here, God has given you to us as a gift of your voice to reach many who are spiritually suffering. God bless you. God bless you, sweet Jean, and thanks for that uh, good comment. Um, Encouraging comment. Uh, Let me see now. Um, We do have an email from Anne, which, Anne, I've read through your email at the break, if you're listening, sweetheart. Um, It's a little too personal for me to expose these things uh, on your behalf, so personal to you. Um, so I'm going to, um, uh, I've asked the station of the cross to send that to me and I'll respond to you, um, uh, directly. Okay. Um, let me see now we have an email from Jolene and she writes, um, I just love Mother Miriam because she knows the faith and tells it like it is. That's all right, but I every once in a while I get it wrong, uh, maybe then more than once in a while, but I'm grateful when, I, when that happens for all of you who call in or write in um, because we're together in this and we want to make sure all things are accurate. And Jolene says, I am Catholic, but just now I am living the Catholic faith like I never knew it existed before. I now eat no meat on Friday. I believe in the host on the tongue. I keep Sunday Sabbath and do not go to restaurants or shopping on that day, all because of Mother Miriam. Um, I tell you, Jolene, I'm gonna, I, if I were there, I would hug you and say, blessed be God for what he's done in your heart. And she writes, I do not go to confession because I feel embarrassed telling my sins to someone who is not taking me seriously, really? Not taking you seriously. Or who is now privy to me personally, whom I do not know. It is necessary for my salvation. No, she says, Is it necessary for my salvation to go to confession? I do confess my sins in my own prayer. Well, if I stop right there, there's another paragraph to this email. Uh, It is necessary, Jolene, it is. If it's mortal sin, you cannot be forgiven or receive the Holy Eucharist without going to confession to be absolved by the priest. You cannot be absolved from mortal sins by going to Jesus. You certainly can confess all venial sins to our Lord and receive the Holy Eucharist, but you are missing the grace that God wants to give you through the priest in the penances he gives you, not in order to forgive you, but because he has forgiven you, and he's giving you an opportunity to grow in holiness and make reparation for those sins. She says, I do not sleep well at night, and sometimes I listen to Mother Miriam all night. Oh dear, no wonder you don't sleep well. There is much more um, uh, that she says. She's talking uh, uh, third person here, of course, but those are a few. I did not hear her answer to the following issue, and maybe you can answer it or pass it along to her. Well, they have passed it along to me. We're on air, sweetheart, Um, and answer via email, since I might miss it on the pod. Well, I'm just going to say this, dear ones. Anytime you're listening for an answer to an email or any question... um, and you miss it, um, we're not going to be able to send that to you be just be for the, because there's so much involved and so many people calling and writing. Um, but you can always go to the Station of the Cross and listen to the programs on Archive. You can always do that. You can always listen to them on YouTube, Mother am Live. Uh, um, uh, and just Facebook Mother Miriam Live, you, Live Site News, you can always listen to past programs. Um, and she writes two young people, both Catholic, lived together for a year before marrying. What happens to that sin? Is it wiped out because they corrected it and got married? Absolutely not. The only way, that's serious sin, and the only way to wipe that out, as you say is to confess it. It's mortal sin. They must go to confession. Must. The sin is not wiped out. And if they are in a marriage now, um, the the sacrament uh, will not take place if you marry in mortal sin. It will not take place. And the grace of that sacrament will not be yours until you've gone to confession. And she says, no hurry. Thank you for your attention to this matter. I'm so happy to really feel like a Catholic now and not just in name only like before. Well, I tell you what, uh, Jolene, I'm thrilled for you, but you must, I'm, and I'm going to say must. It's not a good idea. It is an absolute necessity Um You must get help in going to confession. You must, sweetheart. If you don't want any particular... Number one, you don't ever have to face a priest. Uh, It's not even recommended. You can face a priest at any point. But confession uh, is is best behind a screen because then you don't have certain human elements involved when you sit face-to-face with a priest. And there's less embarrassment. And if you... Uh, think the priest will recognize your voice in the confessional, uh, then you can go to a priest across town. There's no problem with that. You can go to someone who doesn't know you and doesn't know your voice and has no idea who he's just confessed. There's no problem with that. And if a priest ever reveals your confession, he will lose his priesthood. It's quite serious. You must go to confession, dear one. Um, And you must understand, and I say must, because look at how much you've gained by beginning to learn and live your Catholic faith. It's the living of it, not the knowing of it, but the living of it that changes us. And you've you've experienced that. Um, And so um, when you go to confession, let, let me just say this. There's two times that I know of when the priest is not himself. And that is when he celebrates mass and when he's in the confessional. And there's other times through the sacraments. But when the priest holds up a, a round wafer made of weed and water, and he says, this is my body, he says the words of consecration that Jesus taught his priests, That bread obeys and becomes the body, soul, blood, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. That wafer is now God, which is why we bow before him. But he doesn't look like God. He looks like a wafer. Just as he came when he came to earth through the Virgin Mary, he didn't look like God then either. He looked like a man because he took on our human nature, and in the Eucharist, he becomes the very substance of that weed and water, is no longer weed and water. It appears weed and water, but it is truly our Lord Jesus Christ, truly God. Now, when the priest says, this is my body, the priest is just the instrument. If our eyes could see what our faith understands, Jolene, we wouldn't even see the priest because Christ is the high priest And Christ it is who says, just like he did at the Last Supper, this is my body. He says it through the instrumentality of the priest. And bread obeys just as it did at the Last Supper and becomes his body. Just like he said, let there be light. He spoke and the worlds came into being. He creates by his word. It's all Jesus. And we don't see Jesus. We see the priest and the host, but the host is. Is Jesus and the the high priest that speaks through the human priest is Jesus and the victim that uh, is um, there consecrated is Jesus. He is the high priest and he's the victim and he is the one who speaks the words through the priest. This is my body. This is my blood. And so a priest said to me, the priest does his most important work when he is not himself very important take that over to the confessional jolene when we go to the confessional now again uh you may face the priest if that helps you i would say especially in your i don't i go to the other side of the screen whether the priest is going to know who i am or not by my voice um And uh, not only that, but I always declare that I'm a religious because I'm more responsible, I'm more accountable for my sins than a non-religious is. So I need to let the priest know that so his understanding and his penance can be suitable to that. When you're at the confessional, go on the other side. And you don't have to, it doesn't matter to me, go where you, it doesn't matter to God, go where you're most comfortable. But I would suggest go behind the screen and confess your sin and forget about the human priest. You'll hear a human voice, but again, like at the mass, when the priest says, I absolve you, he's not saying it. Christ is saying it. Christ is the only one who can forgive sins. And he forgives them through the instrumentality of the human priest. So when you hear, I absolve you, you are hearing Christ through that priest. That's the only way you could be absolved. And to stay away from that, you are probably living with sin that you're not even aware of, Jolene. I would say begin to go to confession. Get a spiritual director. Speak to the priest. Speak to a good friend. Um, whoever you can get to help you. And I would say, no no law here, but you should begin to go to confession. And I would suggest, uh, not on pain of sin, um, once a month. The church just demands, it. uh, we need to go to confession once a year at Easter time, Uh, but uh, at least for mortal sin. But other than that, beloved, um, I would begin to try to go once a month until you can understand that your confessing sin honors God.
2: The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the Internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year.
1: and you are welcome to call in toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have an email from somebody who writes in anonymously, um, and I read it. I just read it during the break, beloved. Um, it is going to be a difficult email for some of you because she is speaking about a video that she watched. Um uh, by a woman who describes um, what is going on with the covid nineteen epidemic and what might be coming the reason i 'm going to read this to you she's she's sent it in anonymously, but she sent it in so that I could read it, and so many people could be warned um I'm going to read it only because what she's written in this email is everything that I've already heard and read about. Now, if it's not true, blessed be God, but it seems to be maybe what's ahead. Um... And uh, the only example I can compare this to is the lily in the pond, but I'm not going to keep you in suspense. I'll read this and then tell you about that little story about the lily in the pond. This anonymous uh, individual writes, Dear Mother, I was up all night after watching a particular video. Everything is making sense now. In this video... Uh, a woman describes how our health officer who has misdirected us through this pandemic, um, and this is, um, well, let me, let me just, uh, I'm going to leave names out. A um, uh, uh, woman describes how our health officer uh, ha- who has misdirected us through this pandemic is hinting that fall will be very difficult for us. Now, this fall, excuse me, and the fall begins next month in September. She says, our kids, our children, will be returning to school then. And this doctor believes there will be a second wave of this virus. And should there be an infection in a school, the children will be sent to isolation camps that are already being built now to, in order to keep the children there. Now, you may all of a sudden, if you have not been keeping up with all of this, beloved, think that this is Twilight Zone, that I'm one of those heretics or nuts or whatever it is. But I've been reading this myself uh, in, 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 from many sources. And I have homeschooling families that I know that are quite concerned about this and are all ready making plans for it. So let me just continue to read this. Some of you are going to say, yeah, I read that too, I know. And some of you are going to say, "What? this is Twilight Zone. This This is not even possible. But not only is it possible, I think it's on us, beloved. I think that's how quickly evil has come upon us and is multiplying by the hour, not just the day. So let me, let me just continue here. I'll repeat the last sentence. She believes there will be a second wave of this virus, and should there be an infection in a school, the children will be sent to isolation camps that are already being built now to keep them. Parents will be unable to see their children, just as we could not see our beloved elderly in old folks' homes or hospitals. They will impose the mandatory vaccine as necessary to go out to have a bank account and to see your children. All right. This news about the mandatory vaccine is is all over the news, beloved, and they're proposing that no one be... Uh, allowed to not have it, Uh, except with great cost to them and their family. She continues, or he continues, Mother, it is all falling into place. As upsetting as this is, I was so grateful to God for letting me know about this. I am sharing this with you so that you could share the message. I think the only thing we can do is spread the word so parents can protect their children and that those who are possibly going to be assisting with this plan, even unknowingly, will wake up and say no. There is hope, as I know God does not abandon his faithful children. May God bless you, your holy order, and all your listeners during this difficult time. Hold up. Pardon me, beloved. What I just read would be, if this was years ago... You'd think I was reading a science fiction story. It is Twilight Zone to me, but I do believe it's on us. I do believe that starting this fall, um, uh, maybe particularly toward October, um, we're going to be in trouble. And there's going to be a uh, more deadly virus and... um, and uh, they are working overnight, over time, 24-7, to produce a, um, a vaccine that will be mandatory. And that uh, if you knew what was involved with that va- vaccine, I don't think anyone would want to take it. Um but if, if we don't, then we won't be able to shop or travel and do all the things. Just as, as Revelation said, it's an amazing thing that we are living during this time. It's amazing. But I will tell you that those, um, what did she call them, isolation camps, otherwise known as detention centers, they're already built and more are being built. And some children, beloved, have already been taken from their homes. Some children have already been taken from their homes. Maybe the parent has tested positive for coronavirus, and the government has come in and taken the children. It is, it is uh, more frightening than any book we've ever read because we're living in this time. And uh, I suspect or expect that maybe one or two of you or more will call in and you know, if this is what Mother Miriam's going to talk about, I'm going to stop supporting your program and all of that. That's already happened, beloved. I, how, could, how could we know these things and keep them to ourselves? How could we not tell everybody? How could we not? If you knew for sure that a tsunami was going to hit your city in three days, wouldn't you shout? Uh, you'd be Paul Revere through the city. And they didn't believe him, they wouldn't believe you. Um, uh, it's very, very serious. Okay, I'm going to um, give you the example of the lily in the pond because I think we're on it now. Uh, The story of the lily in the pond is a particular lily and I don't know its name anymore. Um, But the lily, when you put it in in, um, uh, water, it doubles in size each day. And so the illustration is... Let's say your house were a big pond, whatever size your house is. Let's say it was a huge pond, and you put this little lily in one little corner of your house. The next day, it's going to double in size. So it's times two. The next day, it doubles in size again. It's times four. So it became two, and now it becomes four. Four becomes eight. Eight becomes. It's exponential growth. And the question is this if it takes 29 days, For the lily to cover half the pond, or half your house, whatever it is, the pond, in how many more days will the lily cover the entire pond? Some of you are going to say another 29. The answer is one, because by the time it covers half the pond, one more day, because it doubles in size each day, it'll cover the entire pond. And I think we are, at this point, uh, approaching day 29, beloved. It is... Very frightening. I'm not here to frighten you, but to warn you, yes, to say we need to be realistic. And if you even think of sending your children out to public school, uh, you are sending them to a very, very dangerous situation. We'll speak with you tomorrow, beloved.